Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben Nolan, and I'm a managing director of research at Steeple, covering shipping, among other things. Uh, and I'd like to welcome each of you to Capital Link's Deep Dive webinar series. Uh, today, as part of that series, uh, I'll be speaking with Mr. Mats Peter uh, Zacho, who is the, and I tried my very best on my Danish accent there, uh, who is the CEO of Navigator Holdings, which is listed on the NYSE under the ticker NBGS. Uh, before we begin our call here, I'd like you to note that uh, this discussion is for um, informational purposes and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon. Um, they, um, the things that we talk about do not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities or investments uh, or investment advice of any kind. So got rid of our disclosures there. Uh, you know, Mods, the, um, I, I like to think that at least part of my job is, is to be a storyteller. Um, and so I thought that would be an interesting way to go about doing this. Let's, let's tell the navigator story if we could, uh, from, from how things began to where we are now, and then how you see things into the future. So if, if we could, maybe frame in for us, what does Navigator do? What are the kinds of things that you move? Uh, and, and then we'll go from there. Thanks a lot. Sounds great, uh, Ben. Uh, look forward to that. Yeah. So maybe if I just start out by telling just a little bit about what we do. Um, Navigator Gas is a shipping company. We have 56 gas tanker vessels that are trading globally today. They're on average about 160 meters long. They carry you could, um, chills and compressed uh, gas that is uh, put into to large containers to, to stay liquefied when we do the transportation for them. So it could be gases like uh, propane, for instance, that you know uh, all from your barbecue back home. Uh, it's used for, for cooking and for, for heating as well. So it's an important global commodity uh, and energy source. So that's one of the types of commodities that we're transporting. Another one is ammonia. Ammonia is, is used for the production of fertilizers. So uh, it's a really important building block for the global food industry. Um, and, and it's produced from uh, natural gas and uh, it's, it's made in, to, to a great extent, uh, that gas from, from North America, from yeah, other places around the world with large gas reserves. We also uh, transport petrochemical gases, like for instance, ethylene, which is a building block that is used for products like plastics and other industrial components and something that you will find in pretty much all consumer goods around the world. So we are really transporting, you could say, the building blocks for, for the world as we know it uh, in terms of, of energy, consumer products and other things, but of course, early on in the, in the total uh, supply chain. And if I could just flesh that out just a bit before we get into the, the history part of things. Uh, you guys primarily have um, handy size, although there's a variety there, but but mostly uh, uh, semi-refrigerated vessels. Uh, can you maybe yes. explain what that is and how it's different than uh, other types of gas carriers? Yeah, so the, the handy sizes and the mid sizes, the ones we have, they typically have a, a total capacity for transportation of about uh, 20 to 40,000 cubic meters of chilled and compressed uh, gas. So it's a, it's a, it's a mid-size, uh, or most people that see our ships will say they're, they're pretty big ships, but, but they're in, they have, 
they're types of ships that are both bigger and 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 smaller. And uh, we we have the uh, technology on board that we can both compress and chill the products and 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 keep them that way. And that means that uh, a number of different types of, of of gases are transported. Pretty much all gases except natural gas, which go on on another type of ships called LNG carriers. But we transport the likes of, uh, as I said, yeah, LPG, ammonia, uh, ethylene, butadiene, and 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 other petrochemical gases uh, that, and and they all have different characteristics and need different combinations of uh, temperature and and uh, compression and that's what our versatile fleet is is designed for that they can pretty much handle all those different types of, of gases um, and, and be transported efficiently on our ships right so now let's talk a little bit about the the history and the background of the company I, I've been around it for gosh probably 15 years but um, the um, Maybe can you tell us a little bit of the story about how Navigator came to be where it is today? There are yeah. two really large shareholders. Maybe if you could give a, a little background on that as well. Yeah, exactly. So so we are about 25 years old. We've been in the business for about 25 years and built some of the first uh, ethylene-capable uh, vessels um, in, in the handy size uh, segment. Uh, that was way back in the in the late 90s. And uh, since then, the company has gradually evolved through a couple of new buildings, but more uh, importantly, through consolidation of the sector by taking on uh, competitors or, or vessels that were secondhand vessels that were, were made for sale. Um, quite importantly, over the last uh, few years, we've we've done some some major mergers and also vessel acquisitions. We did the, just this year. We took over five modern ethylene capable ships in the handy size uh, segment uh, from, from Greater Bay, we together, we, we made a joint venture. So here consolidated five ships into our fleet. And uh, just less than, than two years ago, we merged with uh, what was then Ultra Gas and, and took us to our current capacity of 56 fleet uh, ships. So pretty much uh, 20 vessels coming on board over the last uh, two years to, to make what Navigator is today. So it's been a gradual growth consolidation through those uh, 25 years that have created what the, the company is today. So we are a, a growing company and we expect to be continuing that. It means also that with the uh, consolidation that we have done, that we now have two uh, large shareholders. Uh, one is called UltraNav. It's owned by the, the Chilean Van Appen family. They hold just below 30% of our shares. And we also have BW, which is a, a Singaporean Soman Power family, also just below 30%. Um, and, and, and they together, you could say, have are the biggest shareholders that we have. Um, they're two of the most respected uh, shipping families uh, there is with traces back for, for many decades. And, and they are now both diversified shipping conglomerates that have a very, very strong track record in, in corporate governance. So they, of course, are a major asset to, to navigate as a company to have such strong ownership uh, in, in, in our company. Um, right. What I should mention perhaps here, and I think it's important, is that we have a majority of independent uh, board directors. So it means that, that the interest of the minority shareholders are really, really well looked after. Um, so, so even though that both Ultranav and BW have members on the board, uh, it is uh, the majority that are independent shareholders. Our chairman today is Dark van Appen. Uh, he represents the van Appen family. Uh, so also there is uh, some, some a gain to the company that we can uh, use all his uh, shipping experience for, for our own growth and development. All right. Very good. Thank you. 
uh, and, and uh, that independence is important. So I'm glad you brought that out. Uh, one of the things that really di differentiates Navigator uh, historically, uh, at least in the last several years, is most of the public shipping companies that investors are familiar with are shipping companies exclusively. Uh, you guys have done something that is a bit different uh, in that you've branched out into the onshore portion of uh, the, the transportation of gases here, and that you have a, a quite large joint venture uh, to to uh, export or, or as an export terminal in ethylene. Can you maybe talk through that, uh, the, the history of that, the thinking behind it and, um, and, and what it is? Yeah, no, we, we have a 50% joint venture together with enterprise. And, and that's a, a very important and strategic assets that we are very, very pleased with and, and that operates uh, very well. And it's, uh, Enterprise, as you know, it, it's uh, one of the, the major pipeline owner operators in, in the US, and we're an international shipping company. So it's really connecting, uh, you could say, our respective supply chains and also our competences uh, in, in, in a great way in our joint venture. Um, so, so we have, yeah, we, I, I guess we, we are good add-ons uh, to, to, to their domestic US expertise. Uh, so, so we're both happy with that. It has worked very well. Uh, it was thought uh, or it was designed back in 1718 it, it the construction was completed in 2019 and pretty much quickly into 2020 uh, the terminal has been running at, at pretty much full capacity for for that period of time what it does is that it it lengthens our supply chain it means that we can now coordinate to the benefit of the customers uh, the whole design and operation of that uh, supply chain that takes uh, onshore ethylene uh, onto ships and exports it to, to Europe and, and Asia. So that means that the vessels are there in time, the cargoes are loaded into the tanks and available at the right time. So it, it really smoothens uh, the, the supply chain from the perspective of the customer. And uh, we call it a, a virtual pipeline that, that we, are, we are delivering. So uh, it has worked so well that we've decided to, uh, to expand the, the joint venture. And we can talk a little bit about that uh, in, in, in a little bit, but it's um, yeah running at full capacity. And, and it seems that the customers are very happy the way it's developed. Great. Um, so we've talked, we've talked about the history of the company. Now let's talk a little bit about the, where you stand today. And in fact, uh, we, we can probably tie in where you stand today with where you expect the company to move. So first, uh, late this past quarter, but really for the last no, quite a number of quarters, uh, things have been progressing very nicely with respect to uh, the earnings and the cash flow of the business, uh, the reduction of leverage on the balance sheet. You've instituted a capital return policy. Can you maybe talk through uh, how you see the business as it stands right now and, and, and yeah. all of those facets? Yeah, no, and I, I can confirm that Navigator is in a, in a very good place right now. We've strengthened our balance sheet and we've we paid down debt over the past few years uh, with the earnings that we've generated. So it is a, a quite cash flow generative business that we have. It means that the balance sheet today is about $2.3 billion in size. We have uh, about uh, just over 100 uh, $80 million of, of cash on the balance sheet, and we have a debt to uh, last 12 months, EBITDA of about 3.4 times. So a, a very robust balance sheet and one that makes us ready for growth, that we are looking at, at new investment opportunities and we have the capacity to, to do so. Um, 
but it also means that we can eat the cake and have it too. Uh, we can both look for, for growth opportunities, but we can also uh, pay back pay dividends to, to the shareholders and, and do share buybacks. So um, we have uh, over the past half year bought back uh, just over $50 million worth of, of, of shares. And then we've instituted installed this uh, capital return program where we have uh, now committed to paying a quarterly dividend of, of five cents. Um, so in, in total, we will be repaying 25% of our net earnings. So what is not part of that five cents will then be distributed as additional dividends or by sh through share buybacks. And, and for this quarter that we just uh, ended Q2, uh, we've now uh, explained that we'll be paying both the, the five cents of dividend and also do further share buybacks. In fact, we have a total of $25 million of, of authorization from our board to do share buybacks. And then we are eating into that. So uh, eating the cake and, and having it too. There we go, good. Uh, so again, sticking with the present for a moment, let's talk through a little of the, uh, the fundamentals of the business. And, and we'll, we'll start here with supply because I think it's the easier. Yeah. Well, no, it's a, absolutely, uh, and and it is a very important characteristic for, of our segment right now that the uh, order book, the, the supply of, of vessels over the next two three years is is very limited. So the global order book right now for the hand size segment stands at just five vessels. So out of those about 120 that are trading right now, there are only five that are on order. So so. In round numbers, 4% of the existing fleet is, is in the order book. And that means that we can't see much new capacity coming in uh, to our segment for the next, uh, yeah, probably three years, which is, of course, very important given that uh, demand has been growing nicely and we expect that that will continue. So it'll, it'll tighten the market. It'll make our uh, capaci capacity utilization uh, go up and, and, and stay strong for, 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 for a period of time. So we are, we are quite happy with that. Um, we have pretty good visibility on, on the order book. If you look at some of the other segments, like the, the larger ships, for instance, uh, the, the order book is a little bit bigger, but but there are some some clear segmentations between the what what is happening amongst the big ships and, and what's happening uh, with, with our ships. So so it's not much of a concern in 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 reality. Okay, great. So we covered uh, supply. Uh, demand is a little bit more complicated because you are moving quite a number of different commodities. And so I thought it might be helpful to maybe address each of those, or at least to a certain extent, each of those uh, various commodities, where uh, where demand stands today and where you see them moving going forward. So let's start with, with LPG, sort of the, the yeah. core commodity group that, that is the you know the history and kind of the bedrock for uh, yeah. what to. I'll quickly talk through the three main commodities. Typically, you have to to keep it simple. I break it down into LPG, into uh, petrochemicals, and and thirdly into to ammonia. Those are really the the three big ones from from our perspective. Yeah. But um, if if we start out with with the LPG, it's really energy uh, in 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 liquid form. Uh, it's it's healthy right now. You you see that when you look at the very large gas carriers, they they only pretty much uh, transport uh, LPG, and it's it's a very healthy market. The production in North America has been strong for for a period of time, and uh, and and the use in the U.S. is is pretty stable. So that means that all the additional production that's happening is being exported, and that of course means that the the exports have have grown uh, quite significantly over the, the the past few years. 
so it's it's a healthy market and uh, it's 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 now becoming a, a smaller uh, part of, of of our business because uh, it it is being traded on 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 larger ships, mainly the VLGCs, uh, whereas we do the regional distribution with our slightly smaller ships, and it's fine. It used to be the majority of our business. Today, it's it's maybe about a third or so. So it's it's still important. It's a strong market, and and we are happy to to transport it profitably as as things stand right now. Um, if we look at the, the, the second one around the, the petrochemical uh, gases, it's, it's typically ethylene, as I mentioned before, that's also exported out of our terminal. Uh, here, we also see a, a strong market. Uh, ethane, ethylene is being produced in North America too, and it cannot be produced any cheaper elsewhere in the world than, than, than here. So we have that uh, export terminal that exports a million tons per year, and we're pretty much the only export outlet out of North America. So also here, we benefit from pretty stable US demand, growing production, hence larger proportions are being uh, exported right now. Price-wise, it's very competitive compared to what you find in elsewhere in the world. And that means that there's space in, in that arbitrage for transportation costs. So we can take about a third of the volumes to Europe and two thirds of the volumes to Asia, which is long distance and good business for us. Mm. So that was the second one. And the third one is, is then ammonia, where right now we've had the Ukraine war that has disrupted that, that market. It meant that the Russian produced uh, ammonia is no longer flowing to Europe. Um, so, so here the ammonia is being imported into Europe from uh, North America, from Asia, and that continues to be the case. We have now nine ships today that are transporting uh, ammonia. So it's an important, albeit not our biggest uh, business line as well. Right, and then if I, if I could just, one of the things that nobody is moving right now, but it does show potential as a in market is CO2 for, for carbon capture. Uh, maybe, maybe just hit on that as a, is an a, a, a possible outlet for growth. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine in, in the world today, we are emitting 50 billion tons of, of CO2 on a, on a global scale. And part of that will, of course, uh, not be uh, emitted anymore because we are, we are going through an energy transition where we're using more battery instead of, of burning fossil and so on. That's part of it. Uh, but there will be some that will have to be captured because some industries are having difficulty making that transformation to CO2, zero uh, business models. That carbon capture and storage is being developed very quickly. It's being subsidized in the uh, IRA in, in the US right now, the Inflation Reduction Act. And that means that the business case for capturing CO2 uh, in the US and as well in, in Europe is, is becoming much stronger right now. So lots of development and investment is going into that and we will be there to uh, transport it. Some will be using pipelines for it. Uh, that will be economical for large volumes and short distances, but there'll also be some that need the flexibility that we as shippers can provide. So we will over time be building CO2 carriers that take CO2 from an emitter to maybe an depleted oil field somewhere in the North Sea or, or somewhere else uh, to, to re-inject it back into the seabed uh, for underground storage. That's right. going to be an important business for us and, and, and literally millions of tons will be transported by ship in, in just a couple of years. Right. Um, sounds like a 
uh, an interesting opportunity. Uh, I did want to sort of loop back to one of the other growth opportunities that you talked about on the ethylene side and, and, and touch on that terminal expansion that you mentioned earlier. Can you maybe uh, explain um, what's going on there and, and how, how you, yeah. you know, think how people should think about the ethylene terminal going forward? Yeah, as, as, as we talked about just before, uh, the capacity of the existing terminal is a million tons. It's pretty much all that's being exported out of, of North America by, by ship. Uh, and, and we have that in the 50-50 joint venture. But it also means that we are kind of sold out uh, for the next couple of years. And if we are to ensure that more ethylene can be uh, exported out of North America, we, we had to expand that joint venture together with uh, Enterprise. And, and we are right in the middle of, of doing that. Um, we will expand it such that there'll be an addition of at least 55% on top of the existing, but, but maybe all the way up to 200% of, on top of the existing. And this is what we call a, a flex train where some of the existing ethane chilling capacity that that enterprise owns, that that can be used uh, from time to time for, for, for ethylene uh, chilling and export as well. So whenever it's not used for ethane, we use it for, for ethylene. And that means that the uh, export volumes can grow by as much as, as 200%. It's a very exciting uh, project that we have here. Um, we will be investing a navigator, uh, about $125 million between now and Q4 uh, next year. Uh, so it's pretty much in a year's time that that expansion will have been completed, where we will start exporting those additional volumes out and where we have finalized that that capex investment uh, that we are in the first innings of of of, of doing right now so uh, so very exciting we are right now negotiating with uh, customers about offtake contracts because like the existing uh, customer relationship we have with the existing uh, terminal, there'll be offtake contracts uh, that will have some structure that re resembles take or, or pay, where there'll be some payment even if, if the customer doesn't need to, to take the volumes, which provides a very secure cash flow for, for the joint venture. Interesting. So uh, jumping off of that uh, ethylene export terminal again you guys are one of the only at least publicly traded companies that has combined the onshore infrastructure with the shipping aspect of what you do yes. and it, it, you, you your ships are unique and uh, and so to me at least it makes sense that uh, that those combinations should exist uh, however or or um, it, it sounds given our you know um, what you guys have said in the past that that uh, this is not necessarily a one-off event um, that there might be other opportunities which if you think about things like co2 which is really in its infancy it it probably does need that virtual pipeline dynamic like you were talking about and there probably are many opportunities to work with people yeah. to maybe develop that the same could be true of ammonia where you have green and blue ammonia um, development that will need new export infrastructure and you know there's other petrochem i assume there are other petrochemical gas you know opportunities as well uh it, it would to me it would seem like you have a a portfolio full of opportunities yeah. uh, that, that are you know they're always going to be difficult to get across the finish line but uh and require capital but ultimately uh 
I don't want to do the talking here. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's 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 great, Ben. And uh, in, indeed, there are uh, plenty of opportunities right here. The benefits for the customers are clear that we can do the coordination between the land side infrastructure and, and, and the shipping part to make sure that the ships are there in place and the cargoes are in place so, so we can plan it out and make sure it's a, it's a smooth transfer of the commodities. So so that's why we're doing it. We are for, for, for the perspective of, of Navigator to make sure that, that we have a stable uh, EBITDA because it, it, these long-term contracts does provide for uh, cash flow stability, which is of course an, an added benefit for us, uh, also financing-wise. Uh, but but yes, indeed, on on the CO2 side, there are some some very interesting opportunities here. Whether we will end up mainly providing the shipping side here, or whether we'll find opportunities to also invest into uh, the land side infrastructure, that's something that we are discussing right now and and, and looking into. On the ammonia side, the green and blue ammonia so so that that is produced either from solar and wind or from uh, like today uh, lng but with carbon capture and storage added to it those volumes are going to multiply because today that ammonia that's that's being produced is only used for fertilizer going forward it will be used also for uh, marine fuel for for energy in power plants and and a number of other things. So uh, the the production and and export of of uh, ammonia is going to grow very significantly. And here we'll be looking to make similar. Uh, supply chain investments as as we've done on on the ethylene terminal, so that we can make sure that it's a smooth and seamless transfer of commodities between the production facilities and to the customers. Um, so so we are we are quite eagerly. Uh, exploring that with our business partners. And, and, and I hope that that it'll be growing part of our total EBITDA, let's say if that's a quarter or a third of our uh, total cash flow that comes from infrastructure-like investments, I'd be a very happy man. So um, getting to, we're running a little out of time here, but that's good because this is my last and sort of most important question for you. Uh, you talked about the infrastructure side, we talked about the shipping, um, you're the CEO. By the end of this decade, if things go to plan for you, what does Navigator look like? What do you envision uh, the company being in seven years? Yeah, and, and maybe here I'll just point to, to five things. Uh, one is that that we will be the leading gas tanker owner operator in the handy size and mid-size segment. So with a with a modern efficient fleet. So pretty much as to as today growing with the market and, and making sure that we are one of the key player in, in our segment. Uh, secondly, as I just mentioned, we'll have a larger infrastructure component to our total portfolio. So Expanding Morgan's Point, our ethylene export terminal, as, as mentioned, but also adding uh, similar structures for, for ammonia. So it becomes, yeah, let's say a quarter to a third of our EBITDA. Uh, thirdly, uh, I envisage that, that Navigator will be transporting about a third of non-fossil uh, cargoes at the time, either as green-blue ammonia, CO2 or similar. So we'll be sustainable in the way that, that we will transfer from today where we are mainly transporting uh, fossil uh, commodities to, to having a large proportion that is uh, also uh, going beyond the, uh, the, the energy transition and, and zero carbon. Um, fourthly, uh, we will be investing and spending a lot of time on energy efficiency in, in our fleet right now. So our aim is to be uh, the leader in, in our segment on, on efficiency so that we are on track towards having a, a zero emission 
fleet at the time of, of 2050. And then lastly, that will be amongst the top three, top three of all US listed shipping companies when it comes to sustainability and corporate governance. We really wanna be a lighthouse here in making sure that we have the best corporate governance and, and, and we have a, a, a sustainable business portfolio that others can look to and say, we wanna copy that. Wow, perfect. Um, and we're, I think we're right on it on time. So uh, with that, Mods, let me say, first of all, thank you very much. And also uh, to the Capital Link um, crew, appreciate you uh, having me, uh, including me as part of this as well. So I uh, did want to note that uh, this discussion will soon be made available on Capital Link's website, www.capitallink.com, and also on their YouTube channel. So. Once again, thank you so much, Mads, and uh, enjoy. Thanks, Ben.